Welcome to Light on the Road Home, a show about divine love, divine wisdom, and our soul's journey here on Earth. And now, our hosts, Phyllis Levitt and Deborah Brown. Well, welcome to our great episode today, and uh, I am Deborah Brown, and I'd like to say hello to my wonderful friend, Phyllis. How are you, Phyllis? I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting concept to be um, on on quite a journey here together where I'm in Arizona and you're in a totally different state and here we are able to have this happen. It's amazing what technology can do for us, isn't it? Absolutely. It's wonderful. Yes, absolutely. Well, today we're going to talk about pain from a whole new perspective. And, you know, pain is that that great anathema that we seek to strenuously, strenuously to deny, repress, medicate, and project onto other people. And you have a, a new perspective to share with us, and I'd like for you to first tell us how you came to receive this, this divine teaching about pain and other issues that we human beings experience during our time on earth. If you would tell us that so that you can set the frame for that, I think we will have a very interesting conversation about this new perspective about pain. Well, thank you. Um, My own journey um, started in actually a lifetime of kind of unrelenting pain that for the most part I was unable to identify its source. And um, I followed a number of spiritual paths and I got deep into psychology and psychotherapy. And while both of those avenues were helpful to me, especially in understanding some of what happened to me um, early in life, none of those avenues that I followed answered anything for me or actually alleviated the pain that I was in. And in the uh, mid-90s, that was really the very, very darkest time of my life where I had just about given up any hope of ever having any healing. And miraculously, and I do mean miraculously, in the midst of all that, a divine voice began speaking to me about what my soul was doing in the experiences of Phyllis and in the experience of so much pain. So I want to just start by, um, well, let me just say this, that I had so much judgment about the pain that I was in, and that didn't help. I really saw... It is something I needed to hide. I felt like it was a weakness. It was a sign of failure. I definitely felt like it proved that I was unlovable. And and it seemed like a fatal flaw that was unfixable. Um, so I'm going to um, just read a little bit from the introduction of the book that I wrote, the first book that I wrote that um, follows the divine teachings that I was given. And that book is called The Road Home, A Light in the Darkness. And this quote is from the introduction. God wanted me to understand the nature of what we call darkness from its divine point of view. Darkness was not considered an obstacle to light or that which man has created in defiance of God. God did not judge the darkness or anything it revealed as evil, stupid, or sinful any more than you would call the rock you stumbled over in the dark a sign of your unworthiness, failure, or a fall from grace. Rather, 
I was very lovingly shown that the trials we face as we strive to answer our deepest callings are the exact raw materials needed for the road home to oneness. That what we consider darkness can be experienced as the doorway to light. I was shown that the very pain we try so hard to deny, judge, or fix is the food we eat for the journey that our greatest difficulties are exactly what we came here at our own soul's bidding to transform into light. So I think it's not that any of us wants to be in pain, um, and there are certain, certainly many modalities in the world that try to address human pain, um, psychology and religion being two of the biggest ones that I'm aware of. But I'm not really aware that what we know so far or what we've applied so far is working. Um, And that's why this divine perspective has been so meaningful to me. Go ahead. Right. Well, I was going to say, as human beings, we want to put a descriptor on something. We want to say that it is good or bad, up or down. You know, we want want to have... um, we want to be able to say one way or the other. We want to look at it and we want to see it's either black or white. And right. it sounds like what you're saying is if if the darkness, there's no judgment even about darkness. It just is. In other it words, just it, is. Right. It right. just is. Then if you're saying pain just is, you know, are we going to get comfortable with that as, as a concept? Because we want to go away from it. We want to repress it. We want to make it right. somebody else's right. fault. We want to make it something that happened to us and make it go away, and yet it doesn't work that way. So, you know, we're we're oriented as a society towards saying, I, I have all kinds of judgment on pain, and I'm going to get, you know, um, get right with it one way or the other because otherwise, like you said, you're a failure. So what... What else can we take away from the teachings in terms of this divine perspective of pain? Right. And that's really being with it or it just is, that concept that it just is, is kind of the beginning, not the end. That's how I would say it. So Ah. I thought I would share this little story. Um, Back in the late 60s, which was kind of the hippie era, and people were getting into a lot of Eastern spirituality, I had a good friend who went to India to meet with a certain guru that he had heard about. And he had glass contact lenses at the time. And he told me this story when he got back. He was on a very dusty train going to the little town where the guru lived. And his eyes got so filled with dust by the time he got there, I guess the dust had gotten under the lenses, Um, He was in excruciating pain. He said his eyes were just on fire. And he was able to meet with the guru, and the guru said to him, don't fight it. Just be with it. Resistance makes the pain worse. And I never forgot that story. It came back to me at times of great emotional pain in my life. But for me, and I think it's a great story, and I think it's true, I think resisting it doesn't help. And all the ways we resist it are what you were talking about, denial, repression, medication, projection. Um, 
But for me, that became the beginning of the story, like I said, not the end. Once I was able to, like, just sit for even a few minutes with extreme emotional distress, it was like, okay, now what do I do? Now what do I do? Is it, am I just supposed to tolerate this? So that's not, that, like I said, is the beginning. And what I was told from this divine source, um, from the very beginning, and I saw this in my own experience, um, was the first thing was that the pain that I was experiencing was actually a doorway to my soul. This was a completely new concept for me and because I, and I, you know, you were saying we, we just want to get away from it. And of course we do. I mean, nobody wants to be in pain. It hurts. So um, we want to get away from it. I wanted to get away from it. But the truth is I couldn't. And when I look around me at the world today, it's clear that we are not getting away from pain by any of the methods we're using. In fact, it seems like it's only accelerating on a global level. And as a psychotherapist dealing with people's internal world every day, I see the same thing, that people come to therapy with excruciating pain that you would never know from looking at them on the outside. So um, way back then, just, before this um, divine presence started speaking to me and I was in the midst of my own pain, I had written in my journal, this was probably like just a few days before um, this whole thing began, and I was just, I, I considered the painful part of myself my inner child. So I wrote, I knew she was the key. She is wrapped around my soul, and if I want to have my soul back whole, she comes with it. It all comes down to total acceptance of all her pain. And that was really, really clear, um, that it was in totally facing that pain and not trying to avoid it that this divine voice actually came to me. Um, And one of the things I want to throw in here is that though this is my personal story, I really feel like this is our story as a human race, that there's something that we need to do to face our human pain and not run away from it if we're actually ever really going to heal as a human race, just as I was trying to heal as one single solitary human being. Does that make sense to you? It does, and I've got several things that have come up for me as you've been describing this this part here. First thing is that I've always said that there is a power in surrender. I mean, yes. incredible power. Matter of fact, the most power, I think, of all is in surrender. And what mm-hmm. I think that does is that, that, power, that, that surrendering piece opens the door to soul. In Absolutely. other words, you, you've, you've let it... Um, you let it kind of turn on its hinges because you're not forcing your own judgments, opinions, fears, and so forth on it. The other thing I'd like to kind of think about is a drowning victim and the person that is trying to save them. Um, mm-hmm. if, the, if the drowning victim keeps fighting and fighting and fighting instead of surrendering and letting the person trying to save them do the work to get them to safely you know, into a boat or onto shore, they both mm-hmm. go down. I'm not, I'm not saying God is going down, but, you know. Um, no, that's the, right. The, the, battle, the battle that becomes 
evidence is 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 just insurmountable when you fight <clears throat> to to have your way, so to speak. It is an element of having your way in pain. In other yes, words, you want it I, the way it is. Or you want to keep on doing things that don't work. I feel like that's what we do, is we keep on doing things that don't actually work, but we think they will, or if we just did them more or harder, they would. Um, right. And to me, when I look at what's going on in the world and the ways that the human race overall, not certainly not everyone, there are people doing wonderful things in the world, and I think there are people who are doing very, very healing work in the world on a very deep level. But overall the ways that societally we appear to be trying to alleviate suffering only create more. And I think that was true for me personally out of ignorance, not out of, um, you know, not out of any malintent. Mm-hmm. Um, what about for people who wall off the pain and harden their hearts? I think I have some of that. I have some things that I have buried and I'm sure that it changes my ability to access joy and creativity and happiness sometimes because there's something kind of weighing me down that I'm not addressing and I'm not I don't I don't want to be psychoanalyzed about it of course right right, right. now but but is there a divine message from your the teachings that you were given that I could sort of glom onto, if you will, and say, well, I, I think it really is the surrender piece, by the way. I, I, I have a sense that there's some of that. But I definitely know that people wall off uh, pretty deep pain, which I think you did too. Yes. I tried to. I didn't work, but I tried to. <laughs> um, right. And I think that's the case for a lot of people. Like, I think that's the nature of denial. It's like you're denying something and you have to keep on denying it, but it doesn't really go away. It's still there somewhere in the background, and that's why you keep on denying it. So do you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Right. So so maybe the, the next thing that I was going to talk about maybe addresses that a little bit, and you tell me if it, if it, it does. Um, so when I began this writing, um, the focus was primarily on all the places that were in pain, in myself and all the darkness that I felt like I carried. That those were the questions I asked were about darkness and pain and those were the answers I got. And and so one of the things that um became very clear is that and I and again this was very new for me, um, but I'm gonna make this statement and then I'll backtrack a little bit, is that contact with one's soul lights up the darkest places first. So it's almost like when light shines, it shines on the places that are blocked. That's what you see. You see the places where there's a shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not the only thing that it lights up because for for certain, um, that divine presence lit up my heart without any question. But at the very same time, it lit up the darkest places in me. And so I saw that the reason why I kept coming back to those places was not because I was a failure or because God didn't love me or I wasn't lovable, um, but because God and soul is really merciful and it wants to show us where we're stuck. And I really have come to believe out of 
um, the divine presence that came to me that God and soul are really trying hard to reach us, that God wants to shine the light of divine love on us and through us. And, of course, it needs to show us where we're blocked. Just like, you know, a doctor is going to address what's not working in the body, right? Um, So here's a, a good a, a nice quote that I have also from book one, and that is, as soul seeks to shine its light through you, it focuses first on the areas most blocked, and that is why so much energy is pouring into these specific places. While it sometimes feels like pain, it is actually the discomfort of old energy blocks being broken up. Mm. So the ability to ask questions and and your determination and and feeling like that was your path to to be mm-hmm. asking questions and in conversation um led you to the divine answering you in a way that built your better understanding of divine love and also set up this whole um all the ways that you were given to understand that what we see is not necessarily all there is. And exactly. there is so much more and that God wants us to have that. Absolutely. And and like I said, it wasn't just that the darkest places were lit up, but they were lit up with love of a nature that I had never experienced in even closely Um and I think it is love that lights those places up. Right, right. Criticism now, surely doesn't. Judgment doesn't. You know. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, why do people feel like they're such... No, let me say it a different way. I know that there's a payoff for continuing to have the pain. Otherwise, we would figure out a way, as human beings, we would figure out a way to not have it if there wasn't a payoff. So... Why do we do that to ourselves? <laughs> what would you why call do we the have, payoff? Why do we have... Um, what would you well, call the that payoffs I mean, that you see? Uh, you get to be right about being bad. You get to be right. See, you, you get to be yeah. right no matter what, even right. about what we would consider the negatives, right? You get to be judgmental and be right because right. you're still in pain. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, and it just keeps in circle. It keeps going. It's like, yep, you're right. You're terrible. Yep, you're still in pain. Right. So breaking out of that does probably take divine intervention because I think we're, we might be wired to stay in that loop longer than, you know, God wants us to. So is it the, is it the communication with the divine that helps? What, in other words, how do we access this? Is that a fair question? How do we access which? Being in communication with the divine. In other words, having. Mm. In other words, are you going to tell us the answers that you received, and then those are our answers too? In other words, are your answers that you received the same? Are going to, are going to be the same answers to me? I, I just. I imagine they are. They are the answers. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess what I would say is that I feel like everything that was told to me has universal application, and that doesn't mean 
that this is the one new religion because it's not a religion. You know, it's not like this is the only way or anything like that. Uh-huh. But I right. but I do believe that the things that were told to me about how we work with this, um, anyone could apply. I do believe that. And a lot of and and going back to the word that you used, which was actually the very first word that was spoken to me from this divine source was um, or the very first concept was the concept of surrender. And mm-hmm. um, the path that was outlined for me by this divine source was called the path of supreme surrender. And supreme surrender is surrender to what is. So it was exactly what you're talking about. And and over time, I was told how to to actually participate in a practice of surrender that was somewhat different from or completely different from anything that I had ever learned. So yes, I I want to share all of that. I don't think that's um on my agenda for today, but that's that is where this is going. Everything that I want to share on this program with you um leads to an application. And one of the beginning places is what we're talking about today, which is how do I be with, how do I really know that the pain that I have or the suffering that I've had or the challenges that I've faced, um, I actually came here to face. This is this is the work I came to do. And um, that oh, goes oh, to... Oh, maybe, that's, maybe yeah. that's my big aha, is okay. the pain that I am... The pain that I am being with or fighting now is the pain that was assigned to me. In other words, this is the pain. Yeah. That, this is my pain for my journey. And, you know, and, and there is a victory possible if I surrender and, and listen and be with divine love. Am I making this up? Yeah, <laughs> no, right no. Me. I think <laughs> that's, right. that's the whole point. That, that's the whole point is that we're not here suffering in vain. We're not. Oh. Um, but there's a way to understand it, not from our ego's point of view, which is pretty much what we have. The understandings that we have are pretty much from our our basic ego consciousness understanding, which. I'm going to try not to segue into right now because that will be a whole other program or many programs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I do want to say from what you said that um, that that what I was given through this divine presence was that it is exactly these stuck places, the places that cause us the most distress or pain or confusion or fear or anger, or whatever that stuck place is for a person. It is exactly these stuck places that we came here, we actually incarnated to transform for ourselves and for others and for all living things. It's like, um, makes me think of the story of, I think it's Rapunzel, but I'm not sure, but, um, you know, um, of spinning straw into gold. This is our straw. This is what we came here to make gold out of. Um, so it's like we took on as a human race and as individual human beings a great challenge. And the challenge was to transform the pain or the unconsciousness of our ego consciousness into divine love. 
And so this, this works out on, on a personal level, on a community level, on a world level, and, and all the plants and animals and everything is all part, yes. excuse me, part and parcel of this experience that we're looking at as, as pain that we feel, but it's really bigger than that. It's way bigger than that. And that was a picture I have to tell you I never had and I never got from any of the any of the practices that I learned. And that's not to say that it's not in them, but this was completely different from anything that I had ever heard. And that is, so I'll, I'll give you an example. So one of the places that I experienced in my life that was so painful for me continually was um, that I felt so alone. I felt so alienated from other people. Uh, and that was that was a great deal of what the darkness was that I lived in. And I could, nothing that I did healed that until until this divine presence came to me. And so, so on a personal level, I was suffering from loneliness and alienation and an, really an inability to have my voice and, and communicate well with other people. Um, and so that was my personal struggle. And then what I came to understand is that's representative of the struggle of many people. So I'm not alone in that struggle, even though I felt completely alone. And so you might say that my soul came here to transform the pain of my feelings of separation and disconnection with others for myself, but for all other people. So everything that we do to transform our own pain, to light soul up in our own being, contributes to lighting that up in in other people. And specifically, so for me, as that pain began to heal, I was able to connect. I was able to communicate. And for me, my path was to communicate this, among other things, not, not only this, but this among other things. And so that has provided me an amazing connection to other people, even people I don't know, because it has mm-hmm. connected me to the human race. Um, and to all living beings, meaning that as we light up the light of our own soul and transform the pain that we brought into our life or the challenges, you know, maybe some people wouldn't call it pain. Maybe they would call it a challenge or or a difficulty. Um, As we do that, there's sort of no way that we are going to want to perpetrate on anything, and that's including the earth. So does that make sense to you? It does. So the the more I the more I work on and and have the experience of healing my pain, the bigger the gift I am giving to myself, my family, my world because Absolutely. I'm doing my part. I'm actually doing right. the part that I was chosen to play right and that's that you know i think as you know is a big theme in in the teaching that i received and that is that we we came here to play a specific part and we play a specific part in as an ego as a as a personality with no consciousness of anything divine at all we play a certain part 
I might play the part of an inventor or a housewife or a plumber or a, um, a politician or a doctor or, you know, a nameless slave somewhere that nobody ever knows existed. Um, and as a soul, we all play a part on what they call the road home. So we are all playing parts for each other. And um, as you shine your light, as you said, from the highest place in you that you can generate, that helps light the light of soul in other people and help them be aware of where their soul wants to take them in their own unique way also in our lives. Phyllis, that is the absolute definition of love. Yeah, yeah. Shining your highest light, shining the light from the highest, what did you say it again? Shining your light from the highest place that you can generate. Place that you can generate. Helps helps light the light of other people and so that they can shine the light that they came to shine, which is their own unique expression. It's not like a one-size-fits-all. I... Part of my journey has been to share this writing. Your journey has been to be um, an editor and a radio host for many different um, sources of wonderful information. Or, you know, maybe you would describe it differently, but you know what I'm saying. Like, we all Mm -hmm. play a different part. We all play a different part. You're not supposed to play my part, and I'm not supposed to play yours, and we need each other. Mm -hmm. I need your part. Maybe you need mine. (laughs) Right, right. Well, I know this this wonderful couple who live in the Lake Tahoe area who are teaching people to be vegan one time, either one time a day, I mean one time a day, one time a week, one time a month, one time a year, whatever it is, just one day to um, potentially save some wildlife, some resources that are that are mm. um, that are finite, and mm-hmm. it's the most beautiful concept. And the way that um, that John has written this book that's coming out soon is so beautiful, and it really, I mean, it makes a person think about how we all fit together with the animal kingdom, even. And yeah. and I have to tell you, I I was talking to him about. Uh, a part of his book where he was talking about shrimp and that the shrimp mm-hmm. crawlers um, really kill a lot of other plant, I mean, uh, animals in the sea while they're getting mm. the shrimp and then how bad that is. And then I went right immediately after that to a seafood oh. restaurant and I felt so bad <laughs> sitting there thinking, <laughs> I am just the scum of the earth here because I, but you know, what's really funny. I kept thinking about it all through the, the meal. Yeah. So it's this awareness, I think, is what I'm getting at, that we can shift if we are given information, if we are invited to have the knowledge. So when you say, when I shine my light from the highest place I can generate and how that affects everything else around me, that's a really powerful powerful thing for me to take in, you know? Mm. Yeah. There's nothing casual about life then. In other words, you're not just going through the motions to get from one day to the next. You you kind of have a mission, and right. you don't know who you, do. you don't know who you're going to be affecting or how many, but you just you, you just need to know that you are. 
Right. And the focus is always, which I love this about what I've been taught, um, that's the desire. For me, there's, I've always had a desire to be of service. And I think many people do. Um, mm-hmm. So the desire is, is to be of service, but the focus is always on my own work. I don't have to convert anybody. I don't, you know, I can, I just, I just share my light. And oh, oh. if it's received, if it's received, that's wonderful. And if it's not, I just stay on my path. Well, there's something very freeing about that. In other words, you are responsible for yourself and creating your best light. Yeah. And everybody else is really responsible for theirs as well. So that kind of brings me to the next question then, and that is why is it that some people derive pleasure from the pain of others? Why, you know what I'm saying? There are people that just, mm-hmm. um, they set up this this toxicity and negativity and or they look for it or they relish in it or they they crave watching it or whatever it is. What's that about? Yeah, and that's a huge issue. Um, so I'm going to backtrack a little bit because there's something that I want to say that sort of pre is a preface to that. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that um, my divine source shared with me was that they, they talked about pain as a signal. Um, that pain was created as a signal. So we know, like physically, that the pain of excessive cold or the pain of excessive heat, for instance, is a signal that your body is leaving the safe zone in which it can exist. And so you feel the pain of cold or you feel the pain of heat to get out of it, right? Um, mm-hmm. if, you didn't, if you didn't feel any pain when you stuck your hand in a fire, you would burn up. So the pain is a signal that you're leaving the safe zone for your existence. And what they said is that physical pain is the same for emotional pain, mental pain, and what we call spiritual pain. That the more intense the pain is, the more we're getting a signal that we are getting out of the safety zone for our, for a safe emotional existence or a safe, safe mental existence or a safe spiritual existence. And that the signal is to leave it um, and one of the what what they said is exactly what you're pointing to is that one of the reasons why we don't listen to those signals, even physically sometimes we don't listen to those signals. Um, but one of the biggest reasons why we don't listen to this, the signals of emotional pain, mental pain, or spiritual pain is because over time people have learned to derive pleasure from pain and especially the pain of other people. And that really goes back to one of the ways that we try to avoid our own pain, and that is by projecting it onto others. So to me, that that is an overwhelmingly profound and much-needed concept in this world today. I just, I think of like immediately of the Colosseum, you know, and mm. how much pleasure people got from watching other people be tortured and killed. And I don't think it's any different today. I hate to say that, but I don't. 
I don't think it's any different. I think there's this projection of evil and pain and darkness onto other races, onto minorities, onto women, onto other countries. And somehow there's a belief that we, not only that we have a right to be aggressive or violent toward those people or kill them, but that there's some satisfaction in it. So how does this work when you're shining your highest light and I'm shining my highest light and we have these other people and forces um, either trying to block the light or dim ours or, you know, basically shut us off completely. What are we, Mm -hmm. you know, I I, I don't know if I can ask what are we supposed to do. (laughs) What are we supposed to do? Because we've just well, talked about surrender, so how can you be in surrender when you, your your impulse is to fight back? Yeah. Well, I think surrender, as I understand it, is not resignation. It's not passivity, and it's not oh, it's all in God's hands. It's all perfect. God will take care of it. That's not the surrender that I learned. Mm. Um, and there may be many different definitions of surrender that people have. Um, but the but the definition of surrender that I was given, which I'll, I'll go back and repeat the first sentence, which is supreme surrender is surrender to what is, does not mean any of those things the way it was shared with me. The way it was shared with me is what surrender means. And this this can be a topic for a whole other program that we do because I'm just going to give you a very you know summary thing right now, is that I surrender the energy of my ego, which might be to fight, it might be to give up, it might be to criticize, it might be to project, it might be to repress. I surrender the, that, all that energy of my ego to my soul. I give that energy to my soul to shine its light in the world. And that's the definition of surrender that I was given. And then, right. I, and as I said, we'll, I'll go on to explain more about how that was shared with me as a practice. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense okay. to you? Is that yes? And I look forward to that amplification in a another show because I've always said, and I, I've been aware of the power of surrender. A lot of times, I will think about in floodwaters as an example. If you have a solid um, structure in floodwaters um, it will be knocked over by raging water but something mm-hmm. that has um, that has a little more resilience to it like a, a, a willow tree or you know something that will bend or a mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. something that the water can go around you know that's what I always think about in terms of, of surrender not being um, not being submissive but just kind of going with the flow in order not to be broken. There's more to it. I mean, there's just like you say, there's right. so much more to it. <laughs> so, and this yeah, would so be we, like maybe in, in three words, it would be like going with the flow of your soul, and mm. which cannot be touched or destroyed by any of that, any of the rage right. or any of the whatever. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. So and I maybe that myself, sounds theoretical right now. Go ahead. Yeah, but it but it really it, to to put it in a a visual for me, you know, it's a a sapling size 
willow in raging water, and that's me, and and mm-hmm. the raging water goes around me. It does not break me. And I am still strong. Okay. I am rooted, mm-hmm. um, but I, I will not be broken because I, I am in that, I'm not going to call it supreme surrender because I don't know what that means yet, but I am in what okay. I call surrender. And, and so no. I am still me. I am still very strong and very powerful, and the raging stuff goes around me. It does not ruin me. That's a that's beautiful image. Saying. I think that's a beautiful image for what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, that's, good. That's beautiful. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Really well, like that's that. what. Thank you. Well, my that's been my concept. You know, just imagine yourself as this little, tiny little sapling uh, size tree, and the water's right. racing around you, raging around you, and and you're still there forever. You're just not. You know, you can't be broken. So. Um, right. So that's, that's and the more wonderful. sapling, if you use that image, the more sapling trees that grow in the river, in that kind of a mm-hmm. river, um, mm-hmm. it slows down. It slows down the current. If you, if yes. you think of it that way, you know, the yes. more we we light our own light and we love the light in others and we feed the light in others, the more little saplings grow in the river. <laughs> Using your image, I like it. Oh, and it's possible that with enough of those saplings coming together, you know, you could create a dam that yeah. holds all yeah. all of that raging toxicity back. Interesting. <laughs> so, and for so me, we can all work together, you know? Yeah, and for me, using your image that is so beautiful, um, that what else can we do? You know, for me, and I feel like my writing really has driven this home to me, and even without my writing, the news drives this home to me. Um, You know, we could very possibly be on the brink of our own extinction. And so what else can we do? That Mm -hmm. The things that we're doing don't work, as far as I can see. Well, right. Now, you have said that pain is the absence of love, Right. And that pain calls you to love. And then what we started with was the title of this show is that pain is calling you home. So what right. is home? Where Where is home? What What is that? What, how do we know when we're there? And I could, again, I am not the last answer on this because I'm on the journey myself. But in, in a simple sentence, I would say what I understand is that pain is calling us to be the vehicle for divine love while we're in our human body. And home, in a, in a simple way of saying it, is total alignment with God and soul within ourselves. Oneness with that. Um, the fullest expression of that that we're able to be. So pain is a, is a call for help. If you're saying... Right. Pain is saying, going back to that idea that when you feel cold or you feel heat, you you get out of the zone that is danger. Right. Right, and and you you know to do that because you felt the pain. So, are we? Let me just. Are we? Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to read this little another little quote that I thought was really beautiful in regard to what you're saying, and this is also from directly from. Um, what I was told. Pain is the absence of love. Remember that. Pain is the signal that love is needed. 
It is as simple as that. Pain calls you to love. Embrace every experience. Every experience is sent to you for a reason. Every reason ends with love. Wow. Would you do me a favor and read that again? Sure. Pain is the absence of love. Remember that. Pain is a signal that love is needed. It is as simple as that. Pain calls you to love. Embrace every experience. Every experience is sent to you for a reason, and every reason ends with love. That's beautiful. And I love that. Pain is a signal that love is needed. Yeah. Wow. That is absolutely beautiful. Why didn't we start with that? That explains the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm teasing you. I'm totally teasing you. I'm, la- I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because, oh, my gosh, there's just so much. It's just so many layers. But that's really so sweet and so pure. Yeah. Pain is a signal that love is needed. Because imagine if people and, in pain could touch their own heart and give themselves the love that is missing for the moment, you know, whatever that is, if they could just tap into that And that's that what more. this path is. And I think that's what any real path is. And going back to the very beginning, um, when I was saying um, soul lights up the darkness first, it's like soul is lighting up the places where we're blocked to love. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I totally have so much to think about between now and next next time we're together because that one sentence is 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 a great aha for the rest of the day and for the next couple of weeks mm. to just kind of sit with that and and notice when that could be remembered. In other words, when to bring that back to my consciousness and say, Don't forget. Hmm. Pain, pain is a signal that love is needed. Ah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, you know oh, what? Good. We have come to the we have come to the end of the show. Believe it or not, it was um, it was fast. It was fast. It was. And I appreciate I appreciate our time together. It was absolutely great being here with you, and and I I look forward to what we'll talk about next time, which I don't even know what it is. It's, if you do, you can tell me. If not, you can just kind of say goodbye and and um, and have a wonderful. Uh, day and wow I'm I'm really really happy we had this time together Mm. well thank you so much Deborah I just can't thank you enough for giving me this opportunity to share what my soul wants to share with others and I am just so grateful thank you so much thank you all right that's wonderful till next time bye 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 Thank you for joining us for Light on the Road Home, a special production by Deborah Brown and Phyllis Levitt. This show has been a production of the Boomer and the Babe Radio Network. You can find more about the Boomer and the Babe at boomerandthebabe.com.